attention yesterday the memory last evening what happened yesterday what is it now ask yourself bring back into remember try to remember things of yesterday what are they really at this moment it's memory isn't it And yet at the time they're happening, it's the present moment, but now, yesterday, in all its aspects of importance, things that happened, or trivialities, or just ordinariness, whatever you remember from that range from importance to triviality is a memory memory arises and ceases in the mind certain memories bring up reactions we have emotional reactions if it's a something that some will cause anger or indignation or jealousy or fear greed other memories just don't do much of anything. Remember, this has a power. If you, if you identify with the past, if that's your identity, is, is the memories of your past, that is very illusory, isn't it? You're, you are just an illusory kind of phantom-like being. Am I yesterday's morning drool? Am I yesterday's uh, walking from uh, in the rain? Am I yesterday's uh, meal uh, reflect in this way uh, asking you know, what what am I if if I am my memories of course we realize we, we never think of ourselves as yesterday morning's gruel but yet we might think of ourselves as being a person eating yesterday morning's gruel and that's also a perception isn't it past then past lives and yesterday or just a moment just before this moment is we can remember it but that the past is only a memory a very ephemeral evanescent phantom like thing that comes and goes in the mind that's a condition isn't it memory is sankhara it's condition the pain and all conditions are impermanent 
attachment to that is samsara attachment to a condition is samsara so when you identify and attach to your memories perceptions then you then you are a creature in the samsara that means you're a death-bound creature and all that they are there and the assumptions you make from being a death-bound creature but, but that's just the samsara there's a very expensive perfume being advertised now called samsara so I've never uh, had the opportunity to uh, smell this perfume but if it wants, wants to be accurate according to Dhamma then it should smell like rotting corpses Nirvana, Nirvana is non-attachment realization of non-attachment, non-grasping Sangsara is grasping that's a, the difference between the two is grasping and non-grasping when you grasp memories perceptions then, the, then you are in the cycles of birth and death you've become a creature that was born and die and will die you're death bound you are a death-bound creature what is born must die if I am what is born then I must die that samsara, that whole illusion of being that condition, that creature that memory that perception Yesterday we chanted the Matigar for Sister Sundra's mother died a year ago. The perception, isn't it? A memory, mother, uh, who's now the perception of death rather than life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we shouldn't have memories or we shouldn't chant uh, or remember our dead mothers or whatever. It's not what I'm saying. It's putting it into a perspective of what really, of how it really is as Dhamma. That's the perception of mother. And now mother is dead rather than alive and the perception of death what does that do? his mother is dead now is you don't quite know what it is where when mother was alive you could, you could imagine mom back at home doing this, doing that thinking of mother in the, in the memories and perceptions and attitudes that you're used to having about mother But when mother's dead, then it's... I don't know, where is she? What happened? 
But death is like that, the ending, the mind stops, no more. Even if mother was dead but we thought she was alive, we still, if we didn't know, if we didn't have the perception of her having died, we would still, when we think, we think of mother, we think of her back home doing this, doing that. But when mother's dead, then we don't know what, could we chant, should we pray for mother, should we do things to hope that wherever she is, or whatever it is, that she's happy, or wanting to still think of mother maybe in a celestial realm, uh, you know, smiling and playing the harp, or doing some, some pleasurable thing. But as Dhamma, we, we reflect on death. It's, it's the, the ending of what was born. So when we think of somebody we know that has died, it leaves a kind of blank in our mind, a gap. We could say, you could go to people and say, well, what happens when when somebody dies? Well, she's probably up in heaven with the Lord. That means that we can now think of her as in some kind of celestial realm, a blissful realm. It's a, it's a pleasant thought, isn't it? Those are pleasant perceptions to think of somebody we love, especially like a mother's after she dies that she's in heaven and in a beautiful place having a good time happy and peaceful and content no more pain no more illness and that is uh, what we create in the mind isn't it? That we, that's, those are happy perceptions it's nice to think like that or we might think Maybe she's in some kind of other state. You can go through different realms from the from pleasure to pain. Somebody comes along who's a reincarnation enthusiast that wow, knowing your mother, she probably was reborn as a French poodle or in some something that speculate about possibilities. Reincarnation due to things she's done in life. But right now as Dhamma, what we know, we don't know. That's the knowing. We don't know because it's, we, we, the it's uh, beyond our ability to know at this moment. But we can know that we don't know. Not knowing is like this. Knowing or attaching to a perception and then not knowing. Letting go of the perception. 
Right now, where is uh, Venerable Amaro? Right now, Venerable Amaro is a perception in the mind, as Dhamma, isn't it? I can assume that he's actually down at Chithurst at this time, but but as Dhamma, <coughs> conventional level one assumes he's down at Chithurst, but as Dhamma, we see that Venerable Amaro is a perception in the mind. Sister Tanithara, where is she? She's in India. But actually, Sister Tanithara is in the mind. And India is in the mind. These are perceptions that we can have here in the shrine room. You can have India and Sister Tanithara and Venerable in a sequence, one right after the one right after the other. And these are perceptions, memories that arise and cease. So this is Buddha seeing Dhamma. Whereas Sangsara is actually believing, getting caught up. Amrava Amro, yes, he's he's now helping Ramakishara down in Shifters, he's this way, that way, and I don't know, I think about him, I think he's this way and I we could go on and on and believe every perception we have of Venerable Amaro as being actually him, that's what he is. Definitely. Sister Tanithara, oh yes. <laughs> and she's this way, that way, and we can actually believe that everything we think and perceive her to be is actually her. Solid human being, yes I know her, she's definitely this way. She's like this, she's done this, she's done that and think that that what we think, what we remember is an actually kind of ongoing, solid, permanent person. And that's the samsara. As Nirvana, then we, we, we realize that these are just memories, perceptions, no longer attack. We realize them for what they are. There's not non-attachment. Doesn't mean that there isn't any any attack on memory or perception, but an understanding, realization of the illusoriness, the the uh, transiency, impermanence, nature of the conditioned realm. Not to create it and illusions around it, not to believe in its appearance. To break through the illusoriness of appearance, of quality and quantity, birth and death. Reflections on the future is tomorrow. What is tomorrow right now? perception, isn't it? And yet we can we can think tomorrow is really something more than a perception. The future is unknown, is 
So we create these feelings about expecting or hoping. What is hoping like? Hoping that they won't go to war in the Gulf. Contemplate just the what what they experience. Hope right now. Hope for something, and just contemplate that as a condition that you're creating in your mind. So you recognize hoping as a conditioned thing of the mind. You don't hope for the past, but you hope about the future. I hope everything's going to be all right. But hoping is a, is a not knowing state, isn't it? It's not knowing something. But it's a condition you're creating in your mind. Expecting. Anticipating. Dreading. Fearing. You say dread the Gulf crisis, the dread of the possibility of war. Dread is a kind of not knowing, isn't it? It's about, you don't dread the past, you dread the future. So, contemplate this, this, this ability we have to, to have perceptions of the future and to create mental states, like hoping, expecting, fearing, dreading, anticipating. These are conditions that Sankara's and that ability to contemplate a condition as a condition is Buddha contemplating or knowing Dhamma. That's the refuge ability to know the way it is. Now those are mental, uh, dealing with mental forms, the physical ones, work the same way. The body is here and now, sitting, breathing. feeling. So investigate the body as a be the knowing of the body as the body as a condition that one is aware of in the present rather than as a personal thing or through through memory, through perception, through uh, feeling, uh, being emotion of liking, disliking, or uh, suppressing, or indulging in any kind of sense experiences. <coughs> so then, you, the feeling the body is in the mind. There's the Buddha reflecting on the Dhamma, rather than the mind and the body. With the body, think of it in terms of, uh, uh, you can see the Sila Samadhi Panya in the 
with the instinctual area of the body, the lower parts, the digestive organs, sexual organs, excretory uh, organs, the sila is uh, in regards to to limiting and to doing say that all this energy that generates from there, from that part, lower part of the body, very powerful energy area, heat and all those kind of vital things go on. So sila is is the way of dealing with the instinctual instinctual energies. To refrain from the killing, stealing, uh, sexual misconduct. But to to really understand the importance of sila, you have to really contemplate that part of your body, not just uh, kind of uh, think about it from your brain, but really bring attention to the solar plexus, to that area like below the navel. Not as a, it's not to stimulate a sexual desires or anything like that, but to to really be aware, to bring that part of your body into your consciousness, to know it, how it feels, to know that it's in the mind. Because that part of the body oftentimes we don't, we, we don't, uh, we have opinions about or we tend to react to it being either the dirty part of the body where the excretory organs are, digestive organs, sexual organs, all these things convey coarseness and kind of dirtiness or uh, things aren't, aren't very nice. We try to cover that area up, not kind of play it as for shameless creatures modest sensitive people always you know, want to cover the, that area of the body so in Gyanupasana we need to bring attention bring that part of the body into our consciousness not just have opinions or thoughts about it not just think about it but actually uh, go there in, 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 as a conscious experience to recognize and accept that part of yourself that part of the body for what it is not as a not to to, to let go of making it personal, taking it personally.
for women and the, the, the womb and all that kind of the, the productive organs to contemplate it to bring that into the mind as Dhamma rather than as some kind of personal thing the menstrual cycle and these, these conditions in nature to be seen as Dhamma rather than as personal inconveniences or whatever however women feel about that type of thing to contemplate it for what it is as Dhamma rather than as something uh, something of yours or something the way you're, you tend to be conditioned uh, to think and, and react to that so it's Buddha seen Dhamma in regards to say the womb the, the menstrual cycle the the function, natural function of a woman's body, say, just on that level of the, say, the, the solar plexus area, genital area, the organ, the excretory organ. And for male condition, the same thing applies. Male genital. Is, is powerful uh, sexual organs, excretory organs, to reflect, to accept them as conditions in nature, not as, not to regard them in the old personal way or the ways you've been programmed to, to perceive it the energy, the digestive organs and the genitals. This is Buddha contemplating the way it is rather than say, the way one is conditioned to perceive it. that area we feel we have the fears when we're frightened we feel it you know with a gut feeling we talk about having guts or gut feeling or is it, why do we use language like that and guts usually refer to that part of the body intestines and all these incredible organs powerful organs in the body really. when we when we're frightened when you feel fear you feel it's, it's, uh, you feel it right in your guts tension you try to hold in there uh, and just create tensions in our guts out of anxiety and worry habitual tendency self-aversion Oftentimes, there's, there's so much a part of our guts. <coughs> Sexual desire, and this is, you know, 
can be quite frightened of that of the power of of that procreative urge of the uh, the womb longing for conception the woman's body must feel great longing attraction towards pregnancy and the male body with a tremendous powerful quality to it that can be rather frightening to a gentle uh, to a gentleman a man who is very idealistic and high-minded our instinctual nature can be rather uh, frightening to us threatening So in understanding Dhamma, you're, you're, uh, you have to accept it, bring it into consciousness, not just try to analyze it from your brains. I think because you have all read the latest theories on meditation and psychology that you understand what it really is. You can, you can figure it out on the theoretical plane very quickly. Most of us are good at that. But to really bring the the guts into consciousness, the, bring it into the mind, accepting it, then we, we are accepting it for the way it is. That part of the body You're allowing it to be what it is rather than reacting to it from your emotional or or uh, thinking you understand it from your intellectual position. Now from my own experience, when I bring my attention down to the, the solar plexus area of the body, feel a sense of quite of peacefulness totally accepting that that whole part of the body in consciousness there's no need to make any problems about it to think about it as being anything it's just the way it is and when I allow that to be conscious I, I feel quite quite peaceful patient it helps me to sit up straight when you when you bring attention to that area it helps you to to feel posture to feel a, a, the correct posture well when you're up in the brain what happens you start slumping I can't. I lose control over the spine, and I'm just obsessed with my thoughts all the time. My what I'm thinking, and round and around with my thoughts. I lose. I lose all perspective on my spine, on the energies in my body. Oh, what did I do? What did I do? This person said this, and that person said that. Blah blah blah. blah da 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 da. And we can, and you can see it, the the uh, 
thinker, the famous sculptor, modern sculptor, absolutely paralyzed, contorted human body, no longer in touch with anything real, no longer, not not like a Buddha Rupa, with the, that sense of balance. Wholeness, this is a contorted, uh, agonized human body thinker. Well, this kind of reflection is to be developed. You see that Dhamma is something that Buddha contemplating Dhamma includes everything from time perceptions of time, you, you break up the habitual beliefs, attitudes, cultural attitudes and that of, of in regards to time, you're seeing time for what it is. And in regards to the, the body, the physical body, you're, you're investigating it. From the position of the Buddha seeing the Dhamma, rather than the scientist or the man or the woman or the the person uh, uh, analyzing it, uh, criticizing it, or making it, uh, or, or just uh, regarding it in highly conditioned ways, in the way that you you emo- the way your emotions react to it, or, or prejudices or biases or views you have about the body, your own body, your, the sense of bringing it into full consciousness, like bringing your solar plexus, your sexual organs, excretory organs, digestive organs, into your consciousness. Because they, you can, that's what consciousness, we can, we can allow, we can, we can bring into consciousness this, this, this body in parts and pieces and fragments of the whole of it. The kind of magical ability we have in, in this reflective, this reflective mind, the Buddha mind, we are, which is our refuge. So we need to put effort into the determination to really contemplate those parts of the body that sometimes we feel quite repelled by, or which we we can feel we shouldn't even we should ignore in celibate community. We we shouldn't even think about it or, or contemplate it. Decide it. Just to, let's talk about let's let's. Let's contemplate the uh, the stars and the and the, the heavenly realms and practice metta, the kind of wanting to stay in uh, go off into ethereal realms of consciousness. But until we fully accept and understand the very basic uh, problem uh, of 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 having been born in in a body such as this which has very powerful instinctual energies, you're going to be plagued by all kinds of problems, physical and emotional, till you come to terms 
through with this uh, with your with instinctual energy, procreative energy, survival uh, energy of our animal nature, planetary life. So we're not thinking of nibbana as some kind of. I don't have to bother with that stuff. Just let it go. Which means, you know, when we're talking about letting go from our brain, we just we we we're, we're not letting go of anything. We're just ignoring the way things are, thinking that ignoring everything is letting go of it. That's why it doesn't work if you're just practicing letting go as a from an idea of letting go, which means to like ignore. Look at the stars rather than look at the pain in your gut. And looking at the pain or the tensions or the feeling or the energy in the in the gut is is uh, isn't an uh, isn't from the intellect but from the ability of the human mind, the Buddha mind to pay attention to the way it is, the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. There's one thing we all know, that this body is this way. You have to live with it till it dies. And the bodies can be really miserable if we don't, it can really cause us endless pain and misery. in really miserable, horrible conditions they have to live with. And, the, and, and it gets worse. The more we ignore it, reject it, the more miserable it becomes. Like anything, if you reject it, refuse to accept it, refuse to examine it, refuse to understand it, then the body is just going to be a miserable body and painful and sickly and horrible experience. 